When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Thanks for coming back to Lockdown Universe. Just wanted to let you guys know that Anchor now is allowing you to become part of the Lockdown Universe experience by uh, part becoming part of the subscription. We're only charging $1.99 currently, and we want you to be part of the experience. We're going to offer unheard of whistleblower testimony, as well as government insider information, as well as folks who have undergone hypnotic regression and told us their story. So please tune into that. If you are interested for deeper cuts and deeper information, please consider being part of the subscription. It's only $1.99 and it's definitely worth it. So join in. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and lore. Welcome back. This evening, we've got another interesting story. This one comes from 1952, August 25th, actually, not too far off from right now, August 30th, uh, but quite a while before, 1952, at 5.30 a.m., <clears throat> we're going to follow the story of a Mr. William Squires in Frontenac, Kansas. 5.30 a.m., he saw a low-hovering object with clearly defined windows in a heavily wooded area seven miles northeast of Pittsburgh, but I'm assuming it's not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They must have their own Pittsburgh. But check this out, okay? He saw a human inside this craft in 1952. There's lots of possibilities here. We'll talk about some of those coming up, but I just want to describe the rest of the story because the craft itself is interesting, and then we'll get into the human, apparently either piloting the ship or just part of it. So let's talk about this a little bit. So this this report actually is in the uh, United States Air Force Project Blue Book. Uh, it's it's uh, declared unidentified by the Air Force. Uh, William Squires at the time was a musician and a staff member at radio station KOAM in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And um, apparently some of these features of this story are very similar to another story out of Maryland about the same time. Uh, Mrs. Suzanne E. Knight, uh, K-N-I-G-H-T, uh, out of Maryland around the same time had a similar story. So this story comes to us from UFO Casebook again. And I'm going to go right into it. One of the quotes from Mr. William Squires states, My hair rose straight up on the back of my head when I was reporting the incident later. He described the object as resembling two turtle shells. Two turtle shells placed edge to edge, which is pretty cool. I love turtles. Turtle shells are very unique, so it's kind of like a humpback which is interesting because some of the stories and reports from uh, UFO hunters back in the mid-2000s talked about some of these uh, 
I believe it was a flight from uh, Japan where the pilots saw humongous aircraft that resembled kind of like walnut, humpback, turtle shell type aircraft that were extraordinarily large, like mothership large, not like these like little piddly silver, you know, pie plate crashed UFOs that we retrieved, but like massive size. In this case, Squires states that along the rim there were two halves that he noticed, a series of small propellers, 6 to 12 inches in diameter, projecting outward at close intervals all the way around the object. The propellers were revolving at a high speed. That doesn't mean that's what was propelling this craft, because we'll get into it in a second. There's no way these little propellers are going to do what this thing is about to do. But Squires said that the object was about 75 feet long, which is pretty long, um, in reference to a lot of other aircraft that we've we've talked about and I've heard about in the past. Um, it was 45 feet wide, so it's not equilateral, it's not a triangle or anything like that, um, and it's 25 feet high. So kind of a strange size. Um, and it was rocking slightly back and forth as it hovered over a field near the highway. The body was of a dull aluminum color, and across the top and extending down to the rim were several rectangular windows through which William could see a bluish light fluctuating from dark to light. Really interesting, right? So he was observing... uh, considerable activity behind the windows so there's a lot of motion behind these windows and it was obscured like a window shade was pulled down but he could see figures behind it kind of like in the home alone movie where he had the window shades pulled down and he had like michael jordan running around on the tree and all that uh running around the tree (laughs) attached to the train (laughs) moving around um but what came next was pretty shocking what came next was that he could observe a single man through one of the forward-facing windows where it was clear and there was no obstruction. He could see right through it, right uh, right into the craft, and see a man, the head and shoulders of a single man sitting motionless and facing the forward edge of the object. Quote, unquote, I definitely saw a human being through this window. William stated. He turned off his car and he got out and he could hear a steady throbbing sound as he approached on foot to within 100 feet of the aircraft. He got within 100 feet of this craft. The object, apparently probably sensing the fact that he was getting close, often suddenly rose up straight up into the air and out of sight, making a sound like a covey of a hundred quail taking off. Now, I don't know what that sounds like, but it's a very interesting description. He also stated that the vegetation beneath the object was blown about as the object rose up. So if this thing was able to rise up into the air and out of sight, those little propellers or whatever those things were clearly weren't the primary propellant (laughs) in this aircraft's capability because it couldn't just take off out of sight with propellers propelling it okay right we know that so what's interesting is squires was convinced that the object was piloted by humans and not some men from mars the witness 
returned to the scene later with officials from the radio station who verified that the vegetation appeared disturbed, uh, like the backwash of where this thing took off. A later investigation by the Air Force officials confirmed these findings, and and the reliability of this witness was termed good in the official report. So it's really interesting because the Air Force got involved. They had they had this in Blue Book. They state that the reliability of this witness is good, and they're not denying it. So we have a lot of strong evidence and strong case in this this particular event. And what's really interesting is we have a few pieces of really interesting information. One, we have the the shape and the size of the craft is definitely different than a lot of other craft we've talked about. Um, haven't heard too many craft being talked about where they they appear to be turtle shells flipped over on each other. Um, that's very unique. Very, very unique. Very, very rare. We have a lot of pie plate references. Um, a lot of disc. <laughs> thousands upon millions of disc shaped uh, references, but not too many turtle shaped references, which indicates that this craft is different. Um, from a lot of other craft. Many of the other craft are, are piloted by greys. This craft may have been piloted by either humans or a human-like species. Uh, and I say may have been piloted because we can't confirm that the human that he saw was piloting the craft. But what we can say is is that he said there was a human on board. He was able to confirm that this this individual looked human anyway so what does that say it says to me a few things it says that a it could have been an abductee in the craft but my feeling is is that that's not the case only because in 99.9999 percent of stories about individuals being abducted they are never never by a window that's close to the earth, right? They are almost always in a room by themselves. Well, not by themselves with the aliens, but being, being examined or being, you know, subject to scientific, you know, examination. The only time you ever hear about an individual being close to a window is when the aircraft is way out in orbit, way away from Earth. Like, you know, it can't be seen, right, from the human eye. They are never, there is zero stories. I've never heard of a story where a human has been allowed to be near a window anywhere close to Earth. Most stories where uh, individuals see Earth, it's usually a screen that's brought up by aliens, and it's not usually a window that they're next to. So we can basically almost rule out that this person was an abductee, this individual that he saw on the craft. So we have to take that to the next step. So the next step would be that a human was on board and that a human was part of the crew. So if that's the case, then we have to ask ourselves two questions. One was it a was it actually piloted by humans or was it piloted by a species that looks like humans so let's examine case number 1 if it was piloted by humans in 1952 that means that either a 
we created a craft that was capable of anti-gravity in 1952 and before, which is most likely not likely, or we were able to capture a craft and fly it around before 19, 19, was 1954 or 1952, I apologize. Let me take a look here. 1952, uh, August 25th, 1952, uh, which is not the case, right? I mean, we haven't heard any stories about us having any, any aircraft or any ARVs, alien reproduction vehicles, until much later, like into the 80s. Okay, so we clearly don't have that. Um, so... Um, you know, that kind of information came out with the Disclosure Project, um, with uh, Mr. McCandlish, uh, who uh, was working uh, on some of these alien reproductive vehicles, reproduction vehicles, and then, you know, Bob Lazar, who obviously actually worked on these as well. But um, nonetheless, we have 1952. So either A, we had the, we had the craft and we were flying it, and these were our humans, or these humans were from the future and came back in time. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case. What I believe is most likely is that there is a species that is very similar to us that we've talked about many, 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 many times, the Nordics, and they were probably doing their own experimentation or testing on soil or testing the atmosphere or doing whatever else they do, you know, hopefully helping humanity. Um, and, and in that case, you know, we just... One of our one of our true bloods, the humans, just happened to you know happened upon them uh, at 5:30 a.m. and you know uh, in a rural Kansas, right? And uh, that's it, it. Just happens on occasion. Now, him being able to get within 100 feet of this thing is pretty surprising to me. I mean, I would imagine these things would have you know lasers or some sort of like ground examination equipment uh boundary sensors so that they know when something's encroaching on their territory but to be able to come within 100 feet of this thing senses to me that they allowed him to kind of come that close and see but didn't want him to get any closer because he could have got injured by them propelling themselves taking off and getting out of there having some sort of radiation damage or something like that and didn't want to abduct him because, I mean, let's face it, any human that's gotten that close to an alien craft, 99.9% .9 of the time, they get abducted, right? Just look at Travis Walton. Got a little too close, got abducted for five days. So, you know, it just goes to tell me that the Nordics didn't want to abduct him, that they were most likely uh, Nordics, that, you know, they're here for benevolence, they're here to help us, and um, they were doing whatever they were doing, and they took off. That's my opinion. I like to examine all the possibilities. Would it be cool to talk about the fact that they could be humans from the future and could have come back in time and been doing some experimentation and trying to learn more about the environment, try to grab some information, or maybe try to stop something from happening, right? Trying to pull like a quantum leap where Sam goes back in time and tries to stop, uh, you know, bad things from happening. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be an interesting story. I'm down with it. I'd watch it on TV. Um, in this particular case, I'd, I'd, I'm kind of leaning towards that not being the case. I'm leaning it towards many of the other stories about Nordics probably taking prevalency here and and taking over and, and being being the truth. And so it's kind of what we're always looking for is what's the truth, right? Um, so, you know, what, what were they doing here? We don't know. We don't have that information, unfortunately. Um, 
but hopefully being benevolent somehow, some way. Maybe they were here, you know, I mean, in recent stories, what, what I've found out is that they're trying to stop abductions from happening with the greys. Could it be in that case they were monitoring the area for gray activity, that they were trying to stop any greys from coming into that area, that they got intelligence that greys were going to be in the area trying to abduct individuals and they were going to stop it simply by being there? Sometimes if your presence is there, they're just not going to come, right? You're like, oh, oh, somebody's already there. We're not, we're not going to go down there and try to, try to pull this mission off. We'll just go somewhere else. Um, that's one case. Um, in other cases that that the Nordics could have been doing their own experimentation, sure. Um, but it's interesting when we talk about the Nordics, and I don't want to go off too far off on a tangent here, but the Nordics always just seem to be popping up lately as, like, the protectors, right? Like, a lot of, a lot of stories about, like, the Pleiadians. They're different than the Nordics, but they're, they're like, kind of like a bluish and, and Nordic kind of quality to them as well. Um that these species seem to be the protectors and that it's interesting because they they represent a lot of the the angelic properties that are that are always associated with angels you know for whatever religion you're you're from right don't, i don't care which religion you're from there's a lot of angelic stories in different religions and angels are you know very they, they have halos or they have a halo presence around their entire body they're 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 glowing in white or they're glowing in blue. Sometimes they have a blue glow to them. Um, and they have benevolence. They have a feeling of benevolence, of, of lack of fear. Let's face it. If Mr. William Squires was out there driving around anywhere near this craft and it had any malevolence to it, it would have stopped his car immediately. It would have pulled him out and it would have, have abducted him. But it, didn't, it did not do that. And he was able to walk right up to the craft within 100 feet of it and see a human-like species within the craft. Did not harm him. Did not cause any radiation poisoning. Didn't shoot him out. Didn't take him in. Didn't abduct him. It seems to me like these Nordics are on our side. They may use some, some of the, some of the Nordics may use greys in some of their engagements or... Maybe the greys are, I don't know, maybe there, there's some negative greys out there, negative Nordics that are that are abducting folks. There was a story where I did hear about a Nordic being part of an abduction, but not nonviolent. Um, but uh, very, very intense look in their eyes. And the truth of the matter is, is that we know that reptilians can change their... Uh, shapeshift they can shapeshift right so they can change the the physical appearance of themselves so they can change themselves to look like a nordic and trip us out and think that we're getting abducted by nordics i don't think that that's the case and if it is it's very few and far between and probably for a very specific purpose do i think it's more likely that the reptilians are probably doing some shapeshifting and trying to throw us off track absolutely the government's done it the government's done my labs so you know is it they've done my military abductions right we've, we've talked about this where they've gone on abductions with greys or they've gone done their own abductions we've talked about this before in the past so is it possible the reptilians do it absolutely they're smarter than we are they're more evolved they can they can shapeshift so um apologize we're going off on a little bit of a tangent there but 
it's pertinent to this story, so I figure I should bring it up. But anyway, um, you know, what do you think about this particular story? Do you think that it's they're humans from the, the future? Do you think that they were current humans that had the capability to have a craft like this? Or do you think that it, they were Nordics? What do you think about the fact that they didn't injure Mr. William Squires? What do you think that, you know, what do you think that means? Um, do you think that they're benevolent? A lot of, lot of strong, interesting pieces to this actual story and the fact that it appeared to be like a turtle-like shell, shell um, on top of each other. So there's a picture of it as well. He, he has a picture on the site here if you go on UFO Casebook uh, and you type in ufocasebook.com forward slash Pittsburgh, Kansas, 1952.html, you can see the, the uh, inscription. So it's pretty cool. Um... Nothing crazy detailed, but it is an interesting craft nonetheless. I mean, I haven't heard of one with propellers on it either, so that's kind of interesting. Anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. I enjoy bringing them to you. Hopefully you guys are having a great night, uh, enjoying your friends, family, or just enjoying some alone time. Hopefully you're taking care of your spiritual, physical, and emotional health, taking care of your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. Remember, you don't have to achieve your dream today. Just take a small step. You are enough. Take a small step each day to make yourself happy. That's all you need to do. And then you really are living the dream. And closer you'll get to to getting to the dream. And as always, guys, continue to question the universe out there. It's a big universe and uh, we have a lot of questions. We need some answers. And hopefully we'll find them together. Until next time, take care. Lockdown Universe out.